three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Stamps.com. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking that trip. And you can get the discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of using stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just going up a couple floors? Sure, take the stairs. Walking up 30 flights a day, you could use a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code POD for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code POD. P-O-D. Lads, we're back! Hey guys. Yeah. Hello. Uh, nothing is yeah, no, nothing. Yeah, um, we're here and this is the first time trying to record and nothing has yeah. gone wrong. Everything's going perfectly, guys. How are you? Daniel, first off, how are you? I'm good, you know. It's a nice and sunny morning. Um fun fact, um, and I didn't get to say this previously, um any other time actually. No, yeah, no. but it was pretty windy t- yesterday. It was a nice day to head out, but it was really, really windy. Yeah, that's yeah, like it the was turbulence. Pretty- yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, Alex, how are you? Not bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. My blood pressure's not raising. Yeah. My veins aren't convulsing. What a day! I am in such a great mood right now. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going wrong. No dogs are barking. But we no love them problems. regardless. The dogs. They are good. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Alex, I didn't get to hear. Um, so do you have an exam today? What's it on? It's on, it's my intro to real estate management okay. exam. It's my last exam um, of the semester, so it'd be nice. How does it, if it feel? Went well, how does it feel? I mean, it feels mm. good to be done this semester in six hours. Oh, how do you, how do you feel? Uh, going into everything, you know, you got the lines rolling. Uh, you know, yeah, lines rolling. Yeah. You know, good family man. And it's just you gotta. Got to get pucks deep. What does that even mean? <laughs> well, I mean, um, who was that? I forgot the coach. Oh, Willie Desjardins. He was like the definition of uh, get pucks deep. I remember uh, when he coached the Olympic team. You remember that? 2018. And then they're like, they're, he's literally doing the same thing he did when he was interim with the Canucks. It's literally just dumping Jace. And how did that work? They got a bronze. Wasn't he also the interim in, um, was it L.A.? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, it was. And how did that go as well? Not great. Not well. Okay. Gentlemen, next episode will be a special episode. It's going to be two things. It's going to be a mix of hockey and a mix of F1. We will 
because uh, I don't know, we may, it may, may come out by the time we're done recording, but hopefully not, and then we can talk about it with a special guest that should be coming on on Wednesday. To recap the Formula One season, then the uh, second half of that show, we'll be talking all about hockey, and it will be technically hockey editions because there's been some spinoffs, never forget, uh, Bizarre Adventures. It will be the 200th hockey episode of the show. Yeah. Ooh, looking it cool. has gone by quickly. Excited. I don't know. I'm just all the uh, all the old memories are just coming back to me at the same time. Just looking back on how far we've come from me not even having a microphone or a webcam. I remember when you weren't even on the show full time. I know I was. And it was just like, ah, maybe he'll be here. Who knows? And then here you are going fast, going strong, and you're keeping nice hat, by the way. Nice hockey. Was it the World Cup of Hockey Team Canada hat? Yes, it was. Um, hoping for Team North America to come back. The Olympics. Uh, I, you know what? I'd like to take a look at, actually, if there was a like a World Cup of Hockey what Team North America would look like today, but that's a discussion for a whole another time. First off, guys, surprise, surprise, I completely forgot this was happening because I was so anxious about the Formula One race. It's Grey Cup Day. Predictions, guys. Who's going to win? The Hamilton? It's the Wildcats? Tiger Cats. Tiger. Yeah, but Tigers are pretty wild, man. You ever seen Tiger King? (laughs) Oh, the the Hamilton uh, Tiger Cats, or is it going to be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? The Argos. No. Um, wait, who beat More the like Argos Argons. again? Oh. <laughs> right, lads. I remember um, in CP24, they were mentioning how they tried to say it in a nice way, but they're, they were saying like, hey, just letting you know that there's still tickets available if you want to go to the Great Cup. And usually the tickets are in the thousands, but you could get a ticket now for $200 and you could go to the start? Great Cup tonight. What What's time does it start? Now? 6 p.m. Let's go. I'll we finish to go to Hamilton. early. I'll guys, drive. Guys, predictions. Um, well, I mean, last episode, we really trashed Winnipeg. So I guess since we're going to still ride that bandwagon, I'm going to go with Hamilton. Daniel? I'm actually going to go with Winnipeg because Hamilton beat the Argos. And you always have to go against – you always have to go for the team that is going to go against the one that beat Toronto. I actually, funny enough, I'm going with Winnipeg because I was so rude to the city of Winnipeg. I, I felt like I had to make a pretty up harsh for it. last episode. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was a good time. It was a good episode. Kind of feel bad for Winnipeg because Blake Wheeler is going to be out for a while now. I think he finally scored too against. The, I think it was against the Canucks. So yeah. awesome. starting to heat and up. And uh, Taves are you know they they, they had that great. up and up. Yeah, you know who he scored his first of the season against Montreal. Wait, Jonathan Taves. Yeah, yeah, he has oh. two goals on the season now, right? Yeah, one against Toronto, one against Montreal, because that's just how it works. That's true. Mm-hmm. I always forget okay. his stats. I know we're going to talk about it after, but I always forget about his stats because I think prior to the Montreal game, he was like a minus 13 and he had nine assists in 25 games. Yeah, you got to remember too, he missed it here. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a puck. It was like he, or I saw another puck. I saw a tweet that was like he buried that goal like he did his knowledge of the Kyle B situation. It was like, mm. uh, oh, I, I, I don't like. Oh, we're gonna. There is a segment coming up on Gary Bettman, and I can't promise that I'm not gonna lose my mind. I honestly, I, it, Daniel, you might have to be the one calming presence because I think Alex and I are really gonna go off. Okay. I like that guy that video sent me. Remember those two guys arguing and then the guy in the middle just smiling? Yes, yes, yes. The the video I sent of English. Man, we'll talk about media because I think we'll get into it. But man, those guys in England are a different breed. We should have an episode like that. We just 
take on the personality for one episode and just do it for a full hour and a half. Can I be Paul DeResta and say that Red Bull can do nothing wrong sure. and trash Lewis Hamilton at every point, even though he's probably the greatest driver of all time? I just I don't understand why he's pitting. Shut up, Paul DeResta. Anyway, I'm not in a bad mood at all. <laughs> the dogs are just... I'd actually like to hear Adam with a full British accent for a full episode. It, it, I can't. Again, some words just kind of, sometimes they kind of leak out. Yeah. But like, you know, it, I don't think I could really pull it out. But I think I have an idea what I would sound like, but it's just like, I can't. <laughs> it's been lost to time. Right. I've heard your brother's accent uh, here and there. Oh, yeah, because he's just randomly been on the, yeah, he was just like yeah. in the room when I was recording once. Yeah, he's playing Halo. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halo Infinite still keep talking. Enough of this hockey. We what a what a start we're having here. Where do you guys want to start? Because I'm really cool to go wherever here. There's a lot of places we can start. We can go Olympic stuff. We can go to the Leafs. We can go to Montreal. Some Euler stuff. I forgot to put this in the dock, but it's really funny. We can talk about Ben Bishop, John Tortorella. Where do you, what do you guys feel like? Um, let's start with John Tortorella. Okay. Honestly. So, <laughs> the, probably the, you know, this year we've had some really nasty goals, right? You know, I think of McDavid well, every time he seems to touch the ice, but, you know, mainly the one on, the one thing was the one on four against the Rangers, was it? Yep. And then Trevor Zegras. I love how no one calls it the Sonny Milano goal. It is the, uh, it's the Trevor Zegras assist or the, uh, the Trevor Zegras. Obviously, the flying he, Z. Yeah, the flying Z. Yeah, yeah. He, he fakes the Michigan and instead throws it over the net and then Sonny Milano puts it in. So John Tortorella on ESPN had a little bit to say about that. And I'm going to play you guys some audio and we can sort of dissect it. It's, it shows that I can share the sound. Yeah. So You're here good. we go. Can you guys see it? Yes. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And of course, it's not working again. Okay. Oh. Hold, oh, hold on. Oh, no, I can't even go full screen because it's not working. Okay, there hold on a minute. This is a bit of a mess. We're going to go to there 47 go. seconds. Okay, it's, here it is. It's cool. You know, it's cool to watch and all that, but I'm not so sure it's good for the game. And and I stand by that. 50 million views is a lot to see it online. Well, it's not even it's, – it's the goal is amazing, right? I mean, you said the fact that they've actually said that. Like, I have, you know, kids in that coach in high school that, that they want me to drop plays off the face-off so they can try to score – a goal like that, just to score the Michigan goal. But for him to be a rookie, to try to actually try that in a game as a rookie, yeah, I would, yeah. you would never even thought about doing something. Okay, before we keep going here, guys, can we just? I think unanimously, unanimously, we can agree the Trevor Zegras goal was nasty, right? You know, it's great. It's good for. It's we can agree it's good for hockey, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Why would you say it's good for hockey, guys? Alex, you, you know, we'll go Daniel because you are the Ducks fan here. What was so cool about the Trevor Zegers goal? Let me let me ask you that. Why? What was what was so good about it? For me, it's just kind of like I think on two levels. From I guess the team level is just we talked about it for two years. The Ducks not really doing much, and then it looks like they're quote unquote having fun again, where they have the confidence to do these types of things in games. And I think for the second thing for the NHL is just. I don't know, it's just another layer to it, if if I'm if that makes sense, where you're just trying to open up the game like it, you know, like make it more exciting. That I think the biggest thing for me was the media reaction. Where you see a lot of guys where I think it was believe it was Michael B. Jordan who said, like the actor, that not the player, that 
he's like, I'm not much of a hockey guy, but that was a crazy goal. I'm misquoting him. But again, it's just another example of <clears throat> it's such a subtle thing that they were able to do to make it a huge thing that it shows that, look, if you market hockey properly, if you're not trying to make it a way that you say that, you know, people who are in the game only know the game then more people will be willing to say, okay, maybe they should give this a chance. Okay, Alex, before I keep going here, because there's a reason I'm asking this, and Tortorello is about to lose a lot of people here. Daniel mentioned fun, people outside the game seeing it. What? Yeah. Add to that, please. Yeah, no, I, I just think I look at how in recent years, a lot of sports have transitioned to marketing skill. Whether that's basketball, whether that's football, whether that's soccer, whether that's like the only one I can think of off the top of my head that doesn't do it is maybe Formula One. But that's because it's a different it's different. Like it's it's hard to explain that skill and hard to advertise it in a way because it's just driving. But it's more complicated than that. I that this is fun. This is skill. This is literally skill there's there's no other way of saying it so for him to say something like that i think is just incorrect like it's not like i personally i see it as that's not right because all these other leagues are moving towards okay marketing skill marketing skill great advertise the big hit here or there but that's not clearly what's going to draw in i don't think that's what's going to draw in as many new fans as it would I'm going to use one example I have here. And I just, I just thought of it now when Alex, Alex mentioned something about drawing in new fans. Um, a big thing, and I think that it depends on when the game was going, right? It was during the game, but it was still something that it was a skill play. And I'm going to use it one example of Vince Carter. What do we remember him with? We remember the windmill dunk. You know, that's technically like not the most necessary thing you have to have in a game. But it's something that it still brings in a lot of joy to fans. It still brings in something where, yeah, number one, he scored. And number two, it just it just adds like excitement to the game. It adds something where it just, hey, even if you're not watching the game fully, we're still gonna give you this highlight. Okay. And this this is the part that Torella because so far all Tortorella has said is that it's it's fun. The dog is oh, I'm I'm gonna lose it. Um and the guys rest are saying, yeah, it's good. It's gone. All these views. It's good for the game. Okay, so here's the bad part from Tortorella. What would yeah. you have said if they, if they were on your team and they did that? Yeah, I, <laughs> I'd have, I, you know, I'd have a talk with the people. I would uh, after the game. I, and again, I'm not trying to be difficult about it. I, it's fun to watch. It, it's really cool. But I, I just think we, I think our game has gone so far away from what, what the game should be. Uh, a hard game, uh, an honest game, and uh, it's almost gotten too, it's too showman. I, I know you need to have it, I, you need to sell the game, but I'm just, you know, I'm from the ilk of it's still a hard game to play, and at a good, honest hockey game needs to be played. I think some of this stuff here, we get carried away. But that's Okay, that's the big stuff I wanted to mention. Okay, so here, here's the big problem, right? Okay, first off, Correct me if I'm wrong here. Tortorella won a cup in early two, 2004. Okay. Right before the lockout. What exactly? Exactly. There we go. So 
in well, who were some of the great teams early in like that era? We can think of like late nineties, early two thousands. There were the Devils, mm-hmm. who you know the sort of their super defensive nearly kind of killed the game, and you know and everyone you know we tried to avoid the dead puck era. Who are some of those those other teams? I'm thinking what Colorado are in there. Yeah, that that was before the salary cap, so they still had like all their Hall of Famers. Yeah, but 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 mm-hmm. you had Joe Sackick. You had mm-hmm. Peter Forsberg and all that. S- super high skilled players, right? Mm. That was Joe also the that was the year, like just sorry, one thing. That was the year Colorado, because this is after Patrick Law retired. Yeah. This is, was the year they stacked everything. So they had Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg, Milan Heyduk, Alex Tange, and then they signed Paul Korea and Timu Sulani to like budget contracts. And then they still had like Adam Foote, Rob Blake. Okay. So you bet Timo Solani, for example, right? No one remembers Timo Solani throwing a punch or something, right? He's the flying fit. He scores a lot of goals. He's good at it, right? It is such backwards thinking from John Tortorella here that what do we know his sort of style of coaching? Low event hockey, defense first, capitalize on the opposition making a mistake and that. Boring hockey. Teams with lackluster roster play that type of hockey. I think the Islanders, I think, again, back in the day, I shouldn't insult the Devils like that because they had some pretty good players, but we think of some Guy Boucher teams like the Sens and their 1-3-1 uh, run to the to the uh, Western Conference, Eastern Conference Finals in 2017. I would so much rather market the game around Connor McDavid going 1v4 and guys in Trevor Zegras making plays that we haven't seen since Pavel Datsuk. Then, oh, God, here's Jacob Truba concussing two people in the multiple days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I say it's just kind of ridiculous to hear. It's an honest game. An honest game? What does that mean? What does okay. that mean? Like blue collar, working hard, blocking shots. Trevor Zegras <laughs> doesn't need to do that. Okay, I have to, that's uh, why Line A didn't work, by can the way. I, can, the I just, can I just say, he goes, well, we, we, we need to go back to an honest game. For you, for those of you who haven't seen the Frank Rado on SDP yet, he uh, he said, you know, Babcock used to say we need a he needs to be a good family man, or he come from a good family. What does that mean? Like, how is that? What does that mean? What does an honest hockey game mean? Like, I I don't know what that means. That's that's irrelevant to me until you clarify what that means. All right, I have two things. So the okay. first thing is. When I think about John Tortorella, I think he's an amazing. I think he's been a great coach. I think he's a great hockey mind. But when I think about what he talks about, like I'm an old time hockey guy. It's like, okay, you want to go like, and I think of Carlo Carlo Koliakovo's tweet, where it's like, do you want to go back to like the max salary being two million a year for like a star player? Do you want to see that like the sport isn't growing as you want it to be? Because I don't think that a sport like this could survive like that. And I think the second thing is. When we think about fundamentals, when we think about flash, why can't we have both? I think, and I I use this so many times, I think about basketball. I think about, I'm going to use the most extreme example right here. I'm going to think about the the 90s Bulls, the Chicago Bulls. They had Phil Jackson and they had Tex Winter, who's an assistant coach, who they modeled the triangle offense, which was like the most fundamental type of plays you can have in basketball. So there, the fundamentals are there and it's the hard work, right? Right. But at the same time, you have Michael Jordan. 
you have this guy doing like these crazy dunks, doing these crazy plays. And listen, like no one's taking away from the fact that they're saying like, oh, there's too much flash in the game. There's too much that, you know, we're not going back to just, you know, passing the ball around and we're just shooting the ball. We're not, we're not playing old fashioned, great basketball. No one ever thought that. Here's where I'll disagree with John Tortorella about the it's too flashy. Has he watched an overtime period in the last three years? 90, you know I mean? 90% of them are boring. Yeah. The, like we get the occasional one where, you know, Toronto versus Minnesota, or um, there was a couple games Montreal played where it was kind of interesting. I don't remember which ones off the top of my head. You're probably thinking of another team because remember okay, the line I, match. But, you know, okay. the wild ones when coaches, their claws are sort of taken out. Right. Like the majority of them are boring. Yeah. And they were implemented to make it a little more interesting than five on five for five minutes and whatever that came out. So I'd have to disagree with him there. What I don't like is, and I, I didn't mean to close the clip. I forgot that in those last kind of 11 seconds, one of the guys on the panel says, you know, it brings new fans in. And Tortorella, I think you can kind of have the backwards thinking because he said, yeah, but you'll lose some fans. Now, so one of my favorite things to watch, obviously, is Kitchen Nightmares. And Gordon Ramsay has a very simple philosophy. And whenever owners are like, oh, I don't want to make a change because I don't want to. Carrie, please stop. Please go lie down, dog. They will not want to lose their current old, you know, old patronage and all that because, oh, that's the one business we have. And those owners will get stuck in their old ways and your business is going to die. If you adapt and go for a younger audience, that's how you continue to, that's how you thrive. And what the NHL need to realize is younger fans like us want skill. No one, like, listen, I love seeing a good fight once in a while, but if I had to choose between getting rid of fighting and, you know, being able to puck the like pass the puck forward, guess what? Later fighting, I want to see Deeks in that. I could care less about defensive first grindy out hockey. It's boring. It's absolutely boring. Listen, the Habs play the defensive first structure in the playoffs. I enjoyed the winning. Do you remember how boring that Jet series was? Yeah. It was, it was awful. <laughs> and it didn't work at the end of it because they freaking up. Like spanked by Tampa, you know what I mean? It's that complete. You can have a complete game, but you need a bit of zest. You need to grow the game. And guys like Trevor Zegras and that, they're like seriously, they're inventing new ways to score a fake Michigan. I like the only time I think we've ever seen that is when I want to say Sid faked out and tried to do a backhander or something, or someone tried to do that. Oh, that was Ryan Donato. Yeah, Donato. And. But Zgrass fakes it and doesn't like an alley-oop pass. That's so creative and just so, so cool. Again, like I said, we haven't seen a play like that since Datsuk. Mm. Like, remember when Datsuk used to, like, on that string, like, far side, like, flip? Or, like, his slow-mo flip over that he used to pull out? That's what I miss. I think you make a really good point there about how the NHL or, or the people within it are so afraid of change that they're still worried about losing the fans that they currently have, that they're not willing to take a single risk to, to bring in new fans. And I, I think, I don't know if you guys saw Forbes release their annual valuations of each team uh, last week. They also project, they had projected HRR, a uh, hockey related revenue value. Um, 
hockey related revenue. They said, and and Bettman confirmed this, that the expectation is they're going to hit around $5 billion this year, which is a lot of money, right? The NBA, who everyone loves to use as a comparison, which I would, is beyond me, but the NBA hit $5 billion in basketball-related revenue 10 years ago, or about. Like, we are far behind the NBA in any in any category, I'd argue. Um, so I think the the owners or we as hockey fans have to realize that things are going to change, and we have to be willing to take more risks to bring in new fans. If the, I don't think John Tortorella is right in saying that they're going to lose all these fans, I don't think that's true. I think. You're going to lose a fan here, a fan there, the same way that CBC and Sportsnet lost a few fans here or there when they fired Don Cherry. I'd say uh, let's go look at last year's ratings with the All-Canadian Division. Um, The positives in this case heavily outweigh the negatives. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters. Shall we have a look at another major person in hockey? And sort of their inability to help grow the game for a second here. Let's do it. Okay. I can't even switch over headphones because only one of them are working. Okay. The comically, the the comedic thing that is this episode continues. Okay. You guys are going to have to give me a minute here. And we'll get to Arizona after this. Okay. Gary Bettman is past the sale by date. And he has been for a very long time now. So these are things that have happened under Gary Bettman. This is far from everything, but this is just stuff I kind of thought of a couple of hours ago. Under his watch, we have player safety that has been incredibly inconsistent. We talked about the Ian Cole knee on Mark Shifley last episode. There is the constant debate of the initial point of contact that we've seen, especially right now. We can look at the Nathan McKinnon and Jujar Kyra incidents, both hit by Jacob Truba, um, that an old fan might say, you oh, you keep your head up, but... McKinnon left the game and Jujar Kyra was hospitalized. Luckily, apparently he's okay, but we don't know when he's going to come back. Months, months after one of his teams of the league, he sorry, one of the teams in the league that he runs were exposed for covering up a sexual assault. He said to the media a few days ago, quote, I don't know, I don't know why anybody thought I was going anywhere. Okay, read. And let's all remember his press conference with Bill Daly afterwards and sort of how unprofessional I was, okay? But you can just be a, keep being so smug, Gary. Next. Oh, oh, sorry, I forgot this. But hey, 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 how about this? How about we make a mandatory 90-minute sexual assault sort of help with Sheldon Kennedy program? Which means they didn't have a mandatory sexual or domestic any sort of policy before this and they continue to not have one. There was no mandatory training until now. Until a skeleton from 10 years ago came out of the Chicago's closet. But hey, we can laugh. I don't know why anyone thought I was going to go anywhere. EA Sports has done more to bring the NHL and the women's game together by adding a World Championships game mode. Oh, but hey, we're going to bring the women to an All-Star game one time. Where most of the NHLers are hungover because they don't care about the event. Okay. His failure... To bring the Hockey Diversity Alliance into the fold of the league. And off a branch, what's happening with Akeem Alou? 
just a few things that I've been thinking about the last couple of days with Gary. And to top it all off, the Arizona Coyotes. Here we are. They aren't going anywhere, says Gary Bettman, as we know. The Coyotes, who have just quoted human error as the reason they don't they, they did not pay more than a million dollars in taxes to the city of Glendale. By the way, the Coyotes still owe apparently over two million dollars for different stuff like like um, logos and like and and uh, different types of stuff. I'll get it all up in a second from Craig Morgan. They still over two hundred sorry two million dollars. Okay, so. Probably if you round everything up, there's about $4 million in debt the Coyotes would have had. Remember when they were late paying players per diems a couple years ago as well. Okay. Gary Bettman goes out and says that the city of Glendale have an agenda. And he assured reporters that the Coyotes aren't going anywhere. The same organization that does not have an arena to play in next season. The same organization that Glendale welcomed with open arms because they couldn't play in Phoenix. Get a grip commissioner or board of governors. He has to go. It is embarrassing that this that a team is only worth $400 million. The Rangers are $2 billion. And the commissioner acts like this. He is, I, there are so many words that I'm not going to say. Because who knows, one day I apply for a job and people listen to this and I can't say anything. That and voice said, thank you for always being a great platform for the show. But Gary Bettman really needs to sh give his head a, sh like, head a shake and realize the state the game of hockey is in. And the Arizona Coyotes, guys. The Arizona Coyotes. I'm done. Wow. Okay. Um, no, you said a lot. And, and, I, and I agree with pretty much everything uh you said i just add on you know we said a few weeks ago with the canucks and with the canadians as well that you know you're keeping a guy in a job who is time and time again screwing you right mark bergevin jim benning uh i made the argument on the show and plenty of other people made the argument as well that I feel bad. Like, I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad at all. At what point are we going to start pointing fingers at the people above Jim Benning, Mark Bergevin, and now Gary Bettman? Can we now finally start pointing, pick, uh, start pointing fingers at the board of governors? Uh, because I, I think I, I just, I, I don't see how any of this looks good on the league. Um. I mean, with Arizona, if we want to get into that now, I think the idea that Glendale has an agenda is ridiculous. Um, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they have an agenda. And it's getting this team out of the city because they're done with the shenanigans. Like, I would be royally, royally pissed if a team did this. Like, Public money. Um, oh man, that that pissed me off. And and you know they're talking about building this new complex. I beg the city of Tempe. I think that's where they're building it, right? They want to build a new whatever arena in Tempe. Yeah, that's where I beg the 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 city council to not let a single cent of public money 
be used for that. And I don't even live in Arizona. I beg for them not to use that. Apparently, when the story about the one point three million dollars in taxes was was uh, was was coming out, the uh, Coyotes ownership group actually was on the way back from meeting with the people in Tempe. Tempe, Tempe. I don't care. Shouldn't have a hockey team. I'm sorry to Arizona fans, but yeah. So I don't know how they look at it. it it's it's not even just like it, it's taxes. It's it's taxes. What are you thinking? You know who doesn't mess with the IRS guys? You ever seen this clip? Um, the Joker pays his taxes, guys. The Joker does. Look up even the Joker isn't afraid of the IRS on YouTube. It's a real clip and it's hilarious. It's from the Batman uh, animated series. There's also um from the Simpsons where Homer doesn't pay his taxes to the IRS and then. In exchange for him not paying, he has to be come a mole for them to get the one trillion dollars away from Mr. Burns. Is there, is there like really, is there a more loyal fan base than that of the Coyotes? Like, how do you have to live through that? You know, like being a hockey fan is rough. How do you like take it as a Coyotes fan when like every other league, like so every other fan base, especially here in Canada, are calling for you to lose your team? Because it's been such a joke, and the way the way it's ran for years, they're still rebuilding. By the way, everyone's kind of like, yeah. "Oh, the Canucks have been bad for a decade." What about the Coyotes? I feel so bad for their fans. Me too. I I, I cannot emphasize that enough. How bad I feel for that fan base. And again, this is on the board. The reason this organization is actually in the dumpster, not the fans, the organization. Above upper, above, um, what's his name? Who's the general manager? Bill, Bill Armstrong. Um, Bill Armstrong. Bill Armstrong. Everyone above him. Everyone above him. Because I think what Bill Armstrong has done the last X amount of months has actually put them in a better position to properly rebuild. Everyone above Bill Armstrong. From, the, from Gary Bettman to the owners to whoever. They are screwing this franchise because they refuse, refuse to put an owner who's going to do something well for this organization. This is how many owners have gone in there and tried to fix this mess. The league couldn't even fix this mess. That's, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. And everyone there should be absolutely embarrassed because they couldn't fix this team and they refuse to do anything about it. Where, where are you playing next year? I, I, the thing is that ownership group because of the whole Arizona betting stuff they're gonna, they're gonna want to stay there and you know Gary Ben's philosophy is we're gonna be in we're gonna be in a state or city or as long as we can as long as someone is willing to buy it it just hurts seeing a market and like a team just be so it's like being a laughing stock I don't want to laugh at the Arizona Coyotes but I just did you guys see apparently I haven't found the audio for this, but I thought it was really funny. That Friedman joked, I wish he, oh. he said afterwards that he's not having any marital problems and it was a joke. But he said, I wish that my wife was as faithful to me as the as Batman is to the coyotes. And you just kind of think, oh bad take, man. Elliot, bad take. That and then the, the replies to that were great. It was like, and LA Friedman has been sent down to the couch and uh, fined for uh, for divorce. Oh, there was one where it's like I think like Elliot Freeman and Longwood Future Consideration has been traded to the local motel. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to what figure it out, Arizona. Just at this point, just let's put old Lassie or old Yeller out of her misery. Is that what it is? Old Yeller and they take it back behind the shed and 
I I'm sure there are loyal fans. Like there are, there is a, there is a certain fan base to them, but I think like from our perspective, then when we mention the teams that we love and we say, Oh, the hardship that we have gone through, you know, most of the time, most of the time they're hockey related, right? Right. Like the on ice production. It's not literally my team. The Leafs forgot to pay taxes. <sighs> you just When one of our teams screws up, it's not on the verge of them losing the team. It's literally, ah, they lost a game. Ah, they blew another playoff series. They couldn't win game seven again. It's not, oh, no, my team didn't pay taxes. Oh, no, I, this team might not even be in my state next year. Like, <laughs> how ridiculous is this? You forgot to pay seven figures due to human error. How, I, like, how do you expect us to believe that? I don't know if you've heard the this rumor going around about how it's a negotiation tactic because they might be, they have no leverage. This team has no leverage. If the audacity for them to think, if the audacity for them to think that they have an ounce of leverage is ridiculous. How much money do the Coyotes make that arena? If you're the city of Glendale, like, oh, great. I'm going to lose the, I'm going to use the, I'm going to lose the Coyotes. Imagine if you're them right now, it's like, oh, you know, let's just say that you're a random worker and you're thinking, I mean, you know, let's just like, like someone who's completely out of know about hockey and they think, do you know what? Let's go look at the Arizona Coyotes and see why we would want to have them back. And they're just like, oh, I obviously know, we all know what the standings are, but let's just, you know, somebody's like, oh, I wonder how the Coyotes are doing. They go to overall on the league and they see they're in last place by three points. Two. There's not even a draw of like, hey, come see, look at this. Oh, we love Phil Castle. He's probably going to get traded. Louis Erickson will probably be a free agent, maybe retire at the end of the year. Oh, Clayton Keller. Woo! Ah, yeah, Chickering. Oh, he's having an awful year. Oh, what a shame. There's there's nothing to sell there. Who was the um, – I can't, was it, it wasn't Katie Strang, though. She wrote the the feature about what was going on with, like, the budget in the yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, it was her. Yes. I just, I just want to get, like, a timeline that we could create about – the time when John Chaika was viewed as like the, the new hope to what we have right now and like what has gone on. That was, uh, I remember. Well, I remember it was like right after we finished recording the stuff about um, like the combine testing results they got. I remember how much, uh, how much noise there was around that. Barrett yeah, Hayden just, has cost them more than we thought. Yeah, Barrett Hayden. Well, he wasn't, remember there were rumors that he wanted a trade and his agent was like, yeah, that's not happening at all. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't know how many people want to stay around there. I'm sure it, like, the USC Arizona is a great place to live, but players want to win and have a, like, imagine if you don't know where you're going to be living next year and you're a free agent or something. And it's like, well, I don't want to be around this one. I don't know. Like, you know, I need to know sir, by a certain time when my kid's going to go to this school. Is that, that all this kind of stuff, right? right. It's, just, it's just so embarrassing. It's such a bad look for the league. It's frustrating to me because, you know, they just expanded two teams, right? In the last five years, Vegas and Seattle. And now people are talking about Houston and people are talking about Quebec City. And now Gary Bettman's going to go speak to someone in Quebec. You're, the worst franchise is barely staying afloat. How on earth are you talking about expanding? You shouldn't, I don't think they should be expanding ever again until they get their stuff sorted out because it's not doing anything. 
Great. You expanded to Vegas and it worked. It doesn't work if not for Marc-Andre Fleury, by the way. Yeah. Okay. I say we move on for it now. Yeah. There's just too we have many things to, to talk a, about. Yeah, we have a lot to get to. Well, just, yeah, just in period, there's a lot to get to, my dear friend, my dear Daniel. AKA, this felt like the biggest story when it came out, but it's still down the pecking order. The Canucks have a new president and an acting GM. He'll be there to mentor the new GM whenever they get him uh, and all that type of stuff. That's Jim Rutherford. <laughs> a pretty big deal. Uh, and by the way, the Canucks are undefeated under Bruce Boudreaux. I just wanted to mention that. And uh, they play Caroline tonight, so that'll be fun. But Jim Rutherford, we also know from headlines last night, it's not headlines, but you know what I mean. That uh, some of the the candidates and you know the Canucks are putting their list together. We got Jason Bottrell, who had that, such a very strange exit from Buffalo, and Patrick Alvin, a dark horse, but was previously worked with Rutherford. I want to say in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's starting to turn around. They're doing a nice little. Um, they're doing a nice little job in Vancouver. Too bad the uh, the owner was talking again. Oh my god, <laughs> that was a, such a funny tweet. That was interesting. For me, I think it's what we've mentioned before in other episodes. It's a stability move that for all the moving parts, for all of the bad headlines that's coming up, you bring in two well-respected hockey guys who clearly didn't want to Jim Rutherford. I remember he was contemplating retirement. Clearly that's not the case, but these are two guys right now that I think that they're just going to help the Canucks steer themselves in the right direction. And it's going to be interesting because we've seen two different Jim Rutherfords. We've seen him in the, you know, retooling Carolina Hurricanes. And then we'd seen him in like, we, I go in all, I go all in every year, Pittsburgh Penguins. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see what he's going to view this core as and what he's going to do, because we know he's never afraid to do the big moves. No, absolutely. And Harmon Dial was actually on one of the uh, doing one of the intermission stuff for Sportsnet and talked about, you know, Jim Rutherford's not afraid to make that big move, as you say, Daniel. If you're looking at the Canucks, you know, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I'm just going to quickly get up. Uh, I don't care about points percentage. I'm going to look at points here. So if we're looking at the wild card, listen, as of right now, there's seven points out the wild card. And that's fighting with Winnipeg and Colorado, which, man, Colorado needs to play those games in hand because they keep getting worried. In the Winnipeg, injuries, top guys not scoring enough. I mean, they're not out of it. As bad as the start of the year was, they're not out of it. It would be nice if they also did a sort of outside the look, because as much as, like, Jim Rutherford's a good hire, it is sort of another thing of, oh, here comes the recycling, you know, the revolving door of people. Bruce Boudreaux, previous coach, he's a good coach, but... Same sort of a pool of candidates. Jim Rutherford's there too. And I I would like to know if they've really, really done their homework. And I want to know exactly how much Jim Rutherford knew about the Scaldi stuff. Because that over, he was, he would have been running the Penguins back then. So I'd say, would he, he would have at least been around. Bill Guerin was already there. And. He would, I guess, he what since two two thousand. He's been there since two thousand fifteen. I believe so. When did Reese Shiro get fired? Reese Shiro was fired. Well, yeah, before then. But I'm trying yeah. to think. Okay, so when exactly would? Because the Scaldi stuff, he was fired during COVID. But Rutherford was fired that season. Was was he not? He left. He left. I think he left that season. Okay, and 
So he, he must have at least known whispers about it. So I'd, I'd like to know if they did their research there. He resigned on January 27th, 2021. Okay. Mm, I just that's we knew that the Canucks were going to be patient because they didn't want to make a massive mistake I just need to because that stuff was very much thrown under the rug I don't know if, if Team USA has even officially said Garen's going to be the guy but who knows if they're even going to the Olympics right so yeah. uh, speaking of which so it, it sounds like right now and I've got a bit of a thread here from Chris Johnston Players are unsure whether they're going to go to the Olympics. We know, uh, also reported on headlines last night, that the quarantine looks like it could be anywhere from three to five weeks now for players testing positive while they're in Beijing. Um, Which AKA, go ahead. No, that's what it was during the summer as well. During the summer as well. So it's not looking good anymore, guys. Um, again, the, the league have until early January to pull out, but if the players, and Bill Daly sort of made the point of saying, it's on the players now, but we don't expect to be on opposite sides of the fence here. It is just looking less and less likely that the Olympics are happening for NHL players. So bleak. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Because uh, I think, you know, obviously the COVID situation is a little bit different now uh, in Canada. At least, I mean, I I read around the world as well. Um, again, like it's three to five weeks. We've seen someone like Robin Leonard pull out. Uh, I I just I think the players should think long and hard about this because that's a long time. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be there during the entire Olympics, but I correct me if I'm wrong, but usually the hockey tournament is usually one of the last ones played. Yeah. So if they test positive during that tournament, we're talking about potentially them missing a week to three weeks, let's say, of the team, of their club season. Um, and obviously, like, I don't want anyone to test positive in Beijing. Especially if you're a team fighting for the playoffs, not having a guy coming back. If it's if it's say early when you arrive to Beijing, you could still think there's still a good chance, but then you're still stuck in the hotel room. And look what happened with guys like Pierre Luc Dubois and Eric Stahl when they were traded last year. There took a while for those guys to really get going in uh, with their new teams. Right. Another sort of really side issue. And we're going to get to the economics in a second here, but looking at the NHL side of things, apparently. A lot of arenas have booked themselves during the NHL Olympic break. So what kind of really sucks for content-wise is we could miss the Olympics and not have any NHL games because there are no arenas open. Which is brutal because, like, why it felt like – and listen, I don't know what the discussion with the arenas was, but it's weird. There was no plan B. Um and I don't blame the arenas for booking themselves. They were closed for a year. They lost a lot of money. They really had no reason not to book themselves. Again, I just think that's a plan B mistake mm-hmm. for the NHL on not at least having that discussion with the arenas. If they did, then then I'm wrong. But again, it's just not, it's, it is rough, right? It's rough not to know. I mean, they could, I guess, have a World Cup of Hockey tournament in Glendale if they want. Ah, I, I, I saw people joking about, like, yeah, do World Cup. No, get out of here. 
What's kind of a shame, too, is I was going through some quick names, and you, you got to think about it. If, if we don't go to the Olympics, McDavid, if, if, if instead of four years, that's when we actually properly get to go to one, McDavid will be 28, probably 29. This probably would be the last time we have a chance. This 2022 would be the last chance we probably get to see Stankos go. Yep. Probably the last chance we get to see Ovechkin, Price, Crosby. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I really, really was cheering for Steven Stamkos to try and make that team. Um, another sort of problem might be that apparently the teams are not required to pay their players uh, for the time they missed uh, at the Olympics in case of that quarantine time. So um, if the players are all about the money, that's not going to help. There is a $5 million fund, um, but there are a lot of expensive players going, yeah. and I don't know how long. Like, there's hope. Like, you look at how well the NH- NHL did their playoff bubble. Yeah. Zero positive cases. Like, I wonder if you could know. Obviously, you know, there, there's some problems here and there. Stuff could happen. Dude. You never know. But you still see what I mean. Like, there, there's still this sort of, um, excuse me, it just doesn't look likely. It just doesn't look likely. I was going to go on something there, but uh, no point. No I know point. you mean, like, when the bubbles happened, it was purely the NHL, but two things is that they're going to a foreign country and second, there's still going to be the Olympic village situations with things where as much as you want to be careful with a lot of things, it's just, there's just so many factors to think about. No, hundred percent. It's just, I feel like there's definitely going to be players that are up to it, but it's just, are there enough? I don't know what exactly the ratio of voting is, but you do wonder if it, it's going to be that like divide of like the old school players who are like, listen, I got one chance. But then again, it, are there going to be older players that say, you know, I got a family here? Or is it just going to be the young players that are like, I ah, you know, I want to go. You think a guy like Jack Eichel, if he's clear, he'll be like, I want to go, guys. Here we go. Here we go. It's the Olympics. I fought so hard to recover from my neck surgery. I want to be here. It's a, it's um it's an it's a near impossible situation. Because these guys, and we talked about the Olympics before, and obviously there's some political stuff going on there, but they're working their whole lives to get there. And, you know, I don't like seeing those guys lose their opportunity, but then again, you got to put common sense and safety uh, above all else, right? So it's a shame. It's a real shame. Uh, also, it looks like revenue is looking good from the NHL. That came out of the Board of Governors meeting, and it looks like the cup will go up to a million dollars. In about three years' time, so two years after next season, the cap should be going up significantly because the players would have paid off their escrow. Um, for those of you wondering, that's good for a lot of teams. Uh, Friedman mentioned the Leafs, uh, especially same with Vancouver because guys like Patterson, Nylander, and Matthews will all be up. Um, by then, who knows? Maybe Matthews won't be going home to Arizona, but he'll be going home to Houston. Oh, wait, never mind. I never, I just, I don't take that take seriously. Like that he's going home. Why on earth? I get it. I get it to play at home, but you look at the financial situation. Uh, I would not want to go home. If they, I think for a chance for Matthews to go, I think the Leafs have to completely undervalue him. Not going to happen. Um, they have to continue to lose in the first round and miss the playoffs. Doubt that's going to happen. Um, and I think what would the Arizona Coyotes have to have a permanent home, not looking very likely. The most likely outcome is you can see if maybe by the time he's up there, a team on the rise under Armstrong, and maybe you could see it, but I don't know. Uh, speaking of Leafs and Olympics, by the way, we'll put the last two together here. So Doug Armstrong did an interview 
guy running Team Canada as well as the St. Louis Blues, talking about that uh, Team Canada will lean heavily on players who have performed well in pressure situations. Uh, references Tom Wilson, how good he's been in the playoffs. And just like that, people have speculated that players who have not performed in playoffs might not be eligible for the team. Uh, Wilson, so not Wilson, Armstrong didn't say we don't like players who have performed in the playoffs, but naturally the media have sort of spun this. And it has started the debate. Will Mitch Marner make the team? Or nope. will Tom Wilson get his, his, his spot? Apparently, Tom Wilson and Zach Hyman will make the Team Canada Olympic roster over Mitch Marner. Hold on. So you're saying in terms of pressure situations, Pat Maroon should be on the U.S. team? Yep. Absolutely. Because so, who, who's Kyle Connor? Listen, I, I memed about Marner not being on, but if he, like I can see Wilson getting a spot. Like I think there is a because if you think about like guys like Horvat and Barzell have lost their spots, like they just have. I think you could get Wilson in there as a thirteenth four, and I wouldn't have a problem with it. Kind of like how I wouldn't have a problem if Dowdy was a seventh guy. Um, yeah, and there's a different conversation about that one article that Sarah Valley did with that um, that one former executive that said. Dougie Hamilton's on his way out the team because Riley would be better on the power play. No, get out of here, but No. That's ridiculous. It I, I don't know. I don't know. I just maybe I'm biased, but I would pick Mitch Marner. Who is okay, well, let's do the Jeff Merritt question. If you put Mitch Marner on the team, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Who do you take off? Who's a right um, winger? That you would take off for Mitch Marner. Yeah, but he doesn't necessarily have to be a right winger, right? Like the half their core could be centers. You know how about I mean? this? How about this then? Do you take off Sidney Crosby? No. No. McKinnon? No. McDavid? No. Braden Point? No. Well, isn't he injured? He'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. Braden Point, okay. No. Uh Marshan. No. Uh Bergeron. No. Okay. Then we get to the next year. Mark Stone? No. Okay. But let's go to the other two. He's better than Sagan. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would, yeah, I would agree with that. I also have a bias against Sally Sagan. Would you take Bo Horvat off the team? Yeah. Yes. Would you take Barzell off the team? Yes. Yeah. Okay. How about this? Right now, yes. Who, Who would you rather have on the team, Tavares or Marner? Marner. Yeah, I'd go with Marner. See, that's the debate. Those are the levels of players, okay? You can stand closer, Marner. Because your center depth's going to be good, and I think you can you you can have better power play options than Stamkos. But you know what I mean? It's it's the top six you can kind of fit. Huberto or Marner? Marner. Really? Yeah. Okay, so, I know um, Huberto, but we don't need we to. Cont- so sorry, before ahead, we continue this conversation, <laughs> I'm going to mention two players that was on Team Canada's team in 1998. And I know that it's different time. Okay. But I feel like some of the same decisions are being made right now. And I think Steve Dangle had a tweet about it. Um, so Eric Desjardins and Rob Zamuner, Zamuner made the team over Mark Messier. I don't like that. Oh, because, yeah. My family was telling me about that. Because, yeah, I, don't, um, I don't get that. This guy was considered like a power forward that they needed the uh, – same thing basically Tom Wilson gave the team. Like this guy had okay, so the year he made the Olympic team, he had twenty-six points in seventy-seven games. Oh no. After, At least Wilson can score twenty goals, but gross. 
This was after a career high of 50 points in 82 games the season before. But keep in mind, that was also the team Eric Lindros was the captain over Gretzky. And Steve Eiserman. Hockey Canada have that history of just being like, okay, so yeah, you mentioned no Eiserman, no Marty St. Louis. PK obviously got like thrown to like eighth defenseman when they like, right after winning a Norris trophy. I wonder if Marner is that guy this year. I don't think it's warranted, but we know there's going to be a guy left off the team that shouldn't be. And I think right now everyone is thinking that it's going to be him. Does it feel like Hockey Canada just knows they have s- such a pool to choose from that they make their team like they would an NHL team? Yeah. Listen, if they win gold, who cares? Right. Well, if they go and win gold. Uh, but you know what I mean? It, it's just like I really don't think the difference between having Marner or Huberto is going to really make or break you. You know, you can only there's only one puck, but it is kind of common sense. Just kind of take the best players available. You know what I mean? I don't know if other countries are having the same conversation. Okay, so Mitch Marner is the best player on the Czech Republic. Oh no, him or Pasternak, but you know what I mean? He's like that level. Pasternak's for the better goal scorer, but Marner's the playmaker. Slovakia is Kopitar, who's getting old? No, he's Slovenia. (laughs) Sorry, who's the Slovakians then? Chara? Chara. Yeah, so Marner's Uh. the best player there. Germany is dry sidling, but Marner would be the second best easily there. And don't don't forget Dominic Cahoon. And Tim sure. Stutzla. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, maybe Stutzla wants to score some goals this year then. Oh, Stutzla. I'm not worried about Stutzla. He has like two goals. Anyway, my God, it's Tim Stutzla. I'm so sick. He's a diver too, you know? He, he is. He's a diver. Watch him. He's the most dramatic guy. It's like he's going for the Oscars. Oh, I've been tripped. Sacre bleu. Or whatever that is in German. I don't know. I hate Tim Stutzla. He's just a, he's a diver. <laughs> wow. You know who? I and the rest of Habs Nation love Mark Andre Fleury. Is he going to be the starter, or is it going to be Carey Price? Daniel, I'm not going to change my answer. Okay. I don't care if Carey Price doesn't play a game in the end. I I would name him the starter, and I'd start him game one, no matter what. He could lose every game, but then they wouldn't make it. But I would. I you can't change my mind. Carey Price has proven it. He's don't even pull that on me. Anyway, um, Marc-Andre Fleury gets his 500th career win. He's third all-time. He's chasing Patrick Waugh. I think it was, what, around 550-ish? Does it at the Bell Center, which is basically his home ice, as you can say. Uh, they chant his name. Uh, he even did an interview for LDS with um, Mark Denis and, uh, and Michelle. Not Michelle Lacroix. I forget who the other guy is. Wait, but, uh, real junior legend, Mark Denis? I I I didn't know he, he was, but yeah, this sure. Okay. No, just when I was a kid, I used to say I used to have this narrow view that every goalie that played for the World Juniors became great, and then this one guy kept saying, "But Mark, what about Mark Denny?" I mean, there, he's a pundit for for I probably only know he's a pundit for a certain reason, but Flurry, five hundred wins, well deserved. He's the only reason Chicago can win games. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. I'm really happy. Still, one, still probably my, arguably my my favorite active player right now. Yeah, fair enough. He's a good player. I just wish it wasn't on Chicago. You know, I we all wish, wish that. It still looks weird. He's got great pads and a great mask, but yeah. 
don't like it in Chicago. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't no. like it. I don't like it. Like I don't like Tampa Bay. John Cooper, the fastest to four hundred coaching ones. Yeah. Congrats, John. Wow. Sorry. Congrats, John. Sure. He's Is he going to the Olympics? Isn't he the head coach? Yeah. Yeah. If they go. If they and if not, then it's Claude Julian, I think, right? Is that what they yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, it is Claude Julian. Because there's no more Bruce Boudreau and Scott Walker. I think it's what uh, Shane Doan is an assistant because he seems to be doing everything, and you're just Claude Julian. That was <laughs> unless cool. they unless they rehire him in Montreal, as we you said on this podcast. Exactly, because Don <laughs> Ducharme is awful. <laughs> um, I'll tell you something else that's a little awful. Um. You know what? Ben Bishop won't play hockey, apparently. His career is done. But this is a guy that Ben Bishop used to haunt me when he was a Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, he finishes 200 career wins, a winning, a winning record. His Actually, funny enough, he, retiring, his save percentage is a 921. Wow. He tried to come back, but man, like... It's I, I kind of realized, I feel really bad for Ben Bishop because once they moved on from him in Tampa, they win all their cups. You know, he went to the finals twice, lost both times. I feel really bad for Ben Bishop, but, you know, that guy can can hold his head high because I think when healthy, you know, I think he was a top five goaltender in the league. Just like, you know, I hope once he's really, I don't know if he's accepted this because he's been trying to fight for so long to come back, but I hope he, he has his, like, holds his head high because he was a hell of a goaltender. For sure. Um, I really rooted for him a lot throughout his career. I know he was a late bloomer of a goalie and he kept, yeah. you know, he went to St. Louis, he went to Ottawa, he went to Tampa Bay before he really solidified himself. And, you know, listen, yeah, great career. He was nominated for three Vesnas, went to two finals, and he was really that guy before, you know, the lightning really did take off. But even in his early days in Dallas, he was great. Hey, man. He was part of like the first, I'd say, really good tandem. And he was the guy. But like, obviously, Hudobin was there, but Ben Bishop was the guy in that tandem. He started <laughs> something completely new. He was the backbone of that team, of that Tampa team for a long time. Like, yeah. again, and like how hard he played in the finals when he was, he didn't have like a groin for Tampa back then. I remember they were, that back when Tyler Johnson was scoring through like not 30 goals, but he was, but then he only had that wrist injury. He was never quite the same. Uh, but yeah, congrats, Ben Bishop, with a great career. He didn't go out the way you want to, but honestly, well done, my man. Well done, my man. Uh, the Habs are bad. Toffoli's hurt like everyone else. They keep losing. What else do we need to say? I hate watching their games, and I prefer playing Halo. <laughs> I don't I've know. heard this update I, before. Yeah. I think, can we, like, I know he said, I know he said they weren't going to do it, but can we get to a point where they fire Dominic Ducharme? Like, I, I just, we all know it's coming, right? Yeah. Like, we all know yeah. July 1st, 2022. Uh, well, here's what I wonder, because like, who would be the head coach? I don't know. Burroughs? Anybody for now, like to finish the season? Like anybody yeah. right now, just anybody. You could do it. I know a well, lot of... Be, Sorry, go be, ahead. It has to be French. <laughs> you yeah. know French. I, I know a lot of guys have been injured and are currently injured. Like It's a ridiculous amount. Um, But I, I just, sometimes I watch and I go dumb come on <laughs> like what are we doing <laughs> all right like listen like when i look at the line combinations okay oh. i this is the credit i'll give it oh. for the first two lines they're probably great defensively 
of and you know they probably backtrack pretty hard but i'm like who is gonna shoot on that on that line so you know it's really annoying i think they were down by two in the game last night right um and yeah they needed two when there was a power play and the unit that was sent out there i don't remember who the defensive one was doesn't even matter but it was the unit with jonathan Duran, armia and machu perot who shoots there and they were out there for nearly the entire power play and i kind of realized you know that means the real front unit would have been they if they had done it right on either flank hoffman caulfield suzuki's in there and then who cares who else is around like that how do you not throw that unit out there and and all the injuries how is cold not in the top six why is Jesse Alani getting called up and playing fourth line minutes too? How do you? Why do you hate me, Dom? Anyway, we're gonna. It's just repeating oneself at this point with Montreal, and yeah, I, I I don't see how Dom finishes the year now because it's it would be it would be cool if they were losing and there was entertainment, but I am at almost at a point. I have watched at least forty minutes of every game this year. That ain't lasting much longer. No. I'm, I'm telling you that now. I try and watch because I don't want to come on the podcast and be like, I haven't watched the Habs, but I'm going to tell you how they're playing. Like, I hate when people do that so much. When it's like, oh, Jake Allen's been bad, and you're not watching the games. Like, you're, they leave him out to dry, but we'll, we'll have that conversation another time, shall we? Um, so once the Habs decide to start doing stuff, um, let's go. And trade Ben Chirot to the Oilers, please. Let's see, did, you, uh, did you guys see this? So Friedman during the intermission yesterday of the Oilers game, um, let me just quickly find it because I thought Patrick had a really funny thing. Uh, Freeman at the intermission says that the Oilers have a need in net, lefty, and third-line center. Uh, not sure if Holland can address them all, but he needs to try and fill these roles to show McDavid and Dreisaitl that they want to contend now. And Patrick Talon, the guy we just had on the podcast a few episodes ago, says, may I interest you in Jake Allen, Ben Sherrod, and Christian Dvorak? Legit, if you had Sherrod, uh, Allen, and Dvorak... Like, I think the Oilers are going to win the Cup. Like, I know Dvorak hasn't been great, but if you slot him as, like, a third-line center, and if you do it properly of, like, McDavid, Leon, or Nuge works, and then Dvorak, and then, what, like, Terry's is your fourth-line center, uh, that's pretty hot. That's pretty hot. Allen is Allen's a good goalie. Just get him some rest. Yeah. No, I guess. I, I mean, I'd still be worried about the goaltending, but, like, that's fine. I guess. Why? Allen's good. Well, you need a extremely hot. You look at the the goalies who've won the cup in the last few years, and they have all been extremely, extremely hot throughout the playoffs, right? Vasilevsky mm-hmm. the last two years, Jordan Binnington. Say what you want about Tuka Rask, Boston fans, but Tuka Rask was, or not, um, yeah, Tuka Rask as well. Flurry or Murray, both of them were hot. Again, I just worry about their goaltending. That's what you do is or you ride Crawford if we go all the way yeah, back. If we want to yeah. keep going back. People do not talk about how badly Corey Crawford did the Devils. And I will never forget it because he really hurt them. Okay, Toronto. What a all game. Right. 4-1. 4-1. Yeah, but they, they ended up winning. I loved Kyle Dupas's reaction. Okay, first off, though, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, um, Justin Hall is not a member of the Newfoundland Growlers. Oh my god! Like like Damian oh Cox may god. may lead you to believe. What a couple of weeks that guy. He's helping had. his former team. He's just you know trying to spread the wealth. So they need a right-handed D, right? They need a right-handed D in the playoffs. Yes. 
Like I, I like for no, no, no more of this left-handed D who can play the right. Like get, they need a bona fide right-handed defenseman. They need. Here's the thing. So right now their setup is Riley Brody, Muzzin, mm-hmm. Lilia Grin, um, and right now because Sandine is out, Rubens uh, Hall. Yeah. Um, obviously once Sandine and Dermot's out too. So once Dermot comes back, it's Dermot Hall, which they did play together in the AHL, but that doesn't matter because Hall, it looks horrible. Um, and then once Sandine comes back, presumably Hall comes out. Yeah. I just, I'm comfortable with Timothy Liljegren. I'm just not comfortable enough for him to be in the playoffs. That's why I say they need someone for the play. The playoffs. You know what they need, man. They need a Zach Bogosian type uh, who. Am I like I am, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? So, so can you describe what a what a what a Zach Bogosian type is? I checked the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, lineup a couple nights ago when they played the Leafs, and he was playing top four minutes. Now Eric Cernak is currently out. Yeah. So. He can play in the top four. He can play in the bottom pairing. They okay. just need someone who fits. Okay, like, well, what, just don't need a, his play they style. They need a what's, pain what's in the, the ass guy. Okay. They need a pain. Don't even bring up Ben Sherrod. No, 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 ben Sherrod's no, not right-handed. Just, ben Sherrod is not right-handed. Well, just, just, just describe the role, though. Okay, so pain in the ass to play against, yeah. And a minute muncher, essentially, because Zach Bogosian can munch minutes. Well, that's up for debate, but that's essentially what they need. They can all, they also need a guy who is okay with rotation because from the play, from that, the trade deadline to the playoffs, he's probably not going to be playing every single game, which is essentially what Sheldon Keefe said a couple weeks ago when they were asked about the 7D, right? They have the six guys plus whoever's out, and they're talking about rotation. And Sheldon Keefe said he is okay with rotation. So that's another added thing. Listen, all I heard was just it sounds good, like, good character. I did not say good character. It's Great not, net front presence, aka sure. clearing the front of the net so sure. you can get away with murder in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That just reminded me of... Ventura. But didn't you just say they needed a right-handed defenseman? Yeah, that's the one yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah. I'm going through oh, the list, God. and I'm just figuring yeah, out who's like, available. Who? Like, yo, know, if he had, if his hand was working properly, like Jeff Petrie would be such a great fit on that team. Like, I really think he would be. Especially if, like, you tell him to learn how to pass. Like, legit. Like Jeff Petrie would be such a nice fit in Toronto, but like, yeah, who who's a right-handed D that's available right now? I can't even think of it. I thought Libor Hayek, but he's left-handed. Oh, Babcock would be losing his rocker right now. Well, he um, wouldn't play Hall anyway, so <laughs> never forget. Okay, I'm going to just throw this guy out there. Not that I would uh, – it just hurts to say, but they would trade him. But, like, Eric and Branson, like, I don't know. Like, that, that's <laughs> – that's, that's, again – I don't want I don't want him playing on the second pairing, but that's essentially what they need on the third pair. Do they not? Like uh, I don't I mean, know. They just need someone to absolutely take the guy out in front of the you, net. You know me, I'm not I don't always jump first to look at a guy's analytics, but but I think you want someone who's a bit more anything than than Eric Goodbrands. 
I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't know what position or who to say, okay, go get him. Like, man, it really hurts not to have Zach Bogosian. I'm just going to say it. Like, I, the, I don't, I don't plus, like, who the heck do you move to make the salaries work? Because like, I'm trying to like wonder where the package is because like Justin Hall obviously has no value right now. I just wonder that like is is it finally time to trade Alex Gerfa? Poor guy. I, I I that's it's a little disappointing. I would say trade one of okay. He requested a trade, and I know you don't want to trade him, but he hasn't yeah. been in the lineup for a couple a month, I feel like, or a couple months. And they've seemingly done well without him. Ilya Mikheyev. What's their penalty kill at? Oh, Sorry, curiosity. I thought of two guys right now. I'm going to go yeah. double check out. Okay, one is really overvalued. I don't think he's going to get out. But the other one, I'm like, you know, we'll see what the Sabres want to do. So the first one I'm thinking of is Philip Ronick. That's going to cost oh, you a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, second is Robert Haig. That's true, yeah. I don't think the Sabres are going to think of him like as a long-term option. Yeah, but he's mm, mm. that's one thing I forgot to put in the team. Maybe maybe we'll talk about that next episode. Is uh, that the Sabres kind of got screwed the other day by the league and uh, um, got a little got a little uh, disrespected there. I hate Colin Campbell. Sorry, I'm because I was thinking about the mention. The reason I mentioned the PK is that uh, if it's working well enough and they're obviously scoring enough goals, well. Mikheyev doesn't score, but the penalty kill works enough, like well enough that Mikheyev's kind of just lost it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he doesn't really have a place on the team anymore. But yeah, but you just have to find a team that sees that value, and the the, the one stupid team that thinks, oh, he doesn't score goals for them, so he will score goals for us, and it just won't happen. So yeah. they they have the fourteenth best penalty kill, that eighty one percent. Yeah, it could be better, but they score enough goals, right? So yeah, right. okay. Uh, also in news, I think the big story is, you see, I, I really wanted to talk a lot about the Tampa game, but the Chicago one just kind of overshadowed things. Uh, oh. Besides, like, Andre Kasha, who just continues to be such a bright spot on that team. Uh, Mrazek plays a game for the first time in this century. Um, I, I always October. I mentioned it before, but I love the equipment. I still, oh, yeah. I, I saw him starting. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. You. Yeah. Uh, First off, your thoughts on his game before we get to Kyle Dubas being every hockey fan in existence. Um, so uh, listen, I'm no goalie expert, but it just seemed to me he was very uh, all over the place, and that just might be the way he plays. I know there are some goalies like that. I just I look at how Freddie played in Toronto, and he was very a lot of the time calm and collected. Um. And Peter Peter Morazic is kind of the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. So that might just be me having to get used to that. Um, But at the same time, there were plenty of goals last night uh, that he really should have had. Were the turnovers in their defensive game a little better compared to Columbus and Tampa? Because it, no? No. Okay. And how much of that was from the, well, I guess you kind of already said they kind of split up Paul and Muzzin, right? Man, I feel so bad for Christian's Rubens. Christian Rubens. I don't don't know why they're doing this to him. There was a, I don't know if you saw it. It was about a, it was a two on two and Rubens is on his, on his side and somehow Hall drifts to the left 
and the guy on the right is wide open. And now two Leaf players are on one Chicago player. And it's like, man, like I, I'm, I never played hockey, but like, I know that's not what's supposed to happen. Yeah. It's like, some listen, everyone, that pairing was probably a disaster last night. And I don't know if that's something they want to go back to, but I, I just, I, for, I just please. Justin Hall just has to be sent to the shadow room at this point. Poor guy. Yeah. If, if it was a healthy lineup, I I don't think he would be in the lineup. Oh, okay. If you're that, and if Jake Muslim was healthy, because here's something that's bothering me because everyone kind of agrees or maybe you guys don't hear but that, that Jake Muslin ain't 100% it doesn't look like he's had been all like he has been all year sit him get him yeah, healthy man. you they, they, they're not going far without a healthy Jake Muslin oh very oh, yes we learned that yeah. the hard way two years in a row when once Jake Muslin like when I heard Jake Muslin was not playing game seven against Montreal I knew it I knew it I knew it. Like they, they, their defense heavily relies on him. And the fact that this year their defense has actually looked okay. And he's been probably one of the sour, sour spots is surprising. Um, yeah. I, I, they should have sat him earlier. Now you can't say, what are you going to do Two Sandine and Dermot are out. How are you going to sit Jake Musson? Mm-hmm. Like the, the options are very, very limited and and i think something that we're not talking about with jake muzzin is i think he's trying to overcompensate for the fact that justin hall also doesn't look good Mm -hmm. i think both deserve blame obviously other than we don't even know if jake muzzin's actually injured that might be a possibility that he just does not look good right now yeah Mm -hmm. um and i think he's also overcompensating at the same time and He's looking worse. Speaking of not looking great, Kyle Dubis once it was uh, it was Andre not Andre. What am I thinking here? Uh, it was David Kampf who yeah. gets the game winner. Um, I was really hoping I was going to get an OT. And I was going to get some entertainment after the Habs game, but Kampf just ruined my entire evening. The look on Kyle Dubis's face in that clip was just sort of a thing of I just almost it's kind of like this thing of I can't I'm giving up a little bit here I'm gonna go and get my 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 birthday cake Justin Bieber timpets and just go home and buy a new cardigan to relieve the stress of this team yeah man I don't know uh that feeling that face he made is the exact same feeling that I had when they scored the 5-4 when they come scored to make a 5-4 like what are we doing like come on really that's David a goal. Kemp, if, his if, former team. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so it's it's funny that if that's a game you go to, you lose your mind when the Leafs score because it's like, ah, we're good yeah. here. But yeah. when you sit back down, you're kind of like, whoa. <laughs> and they win, you're like, okay, ooh, that wasn't uh, that wasn't fun. Oh, hey. But when you're just kind of – well, if you hop on Leafs Twitter, you can kind of – you got the feeling of it. Um, I was keeping my eye on it thinking uh- – I, I hate to say this. I was kind of hoping the Leafs were going to lose and just be like, ah, the content for tomorrow. <laughs> no, man. I, I saw, I follow a couple of people who did go to that game last night. And their reaction was like the complete opposite of, of what like mine was. Like they were excited that they won. And I guess obviously rightfully so, but it was like, man, sitting at home and watching that, it's like, come on. Really? Speaking of frustration, you want to talk about the refs? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I do. I just, I just, I just want some consistency. That's all I want. Like just a little bit from both sides, man. Like if I was a Chicago fan watching that as well, there was plenty, pretty much plenty of calls on both sides that were missed. Um, I'm, I'm begging. Update. Pardon? I'm an update on the Leafs. What's that? The Leafs have recalled defenseman Carl Delstrom and forward <sighs> Brett Sini from the Toronto Marlies. Defenseman Christian Rubens has been loaned to the Marlies. Yeah. I mean, he got his chance. He looked yeah. he looked good. Um, well, Delstrom has he's experience. He's right. been on the Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> Did he play for the Blackhawks for a little bit as well? Yeah, he was a prospect for them, and then he was traded with a first for Anton Vermette. Oh, okay. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Um, I th- with the referees, I don't know. Like, all I want is the the league to explain the rules to me like I'm five years old. And I mean, like for the Truba hits, for example, I don't know if they're clean or dirty because I don't know the rules. Like, because based on what we were saying about Jason Spezza, and I still stand by what, what I said, and I assume you too as well. It was the player was in a vulnerable position and Jason Spezza had to take accountability for the fact that he was in a vault that, the opposing player was in a vulnerable position. So what's the difference between head down? Adam, I think you are muted. Um, but what's the difference is what I want to know. I'm mixed with that because vulnerable. I think, I think Pionk was very much more in a, in a vulnerable situation than Kyra. And listen, sure. McKinnon can't be dancing in the zone with his head down. Sure. Like you can't do that. But like Kyra, I kept looking at. I can't find a better angle, so maybe I'm looking. But the way I saw it is, he caught his his the, his bottom jaw. Um, the, it's funny. What I thought more of was not so much the vulnerable position stuff, but the the and this is gonna bite player safety for a lot now. Is in the special video they talked about the consequences of the action, right? Right. And Truba hurt both guys, and that's where I'm like, okay, so where are we going from here, right? Um. Because it was, I think he very much followed through and he caught McKinnon in the head, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there should be at least, like, I've been clamoring this for, for, for a while now. If there's contact to the head, let's say a true, I don't think Truvo meant to throw the guy out the game there, but he meant to hit him hard and he still caught him in the head. Give him one game. Don't go crazy, just give him a game. Uh, Kyra, I think, was just, that was so just disturbing to watch. But he's still like, I don't know, can you constitute the jaws like the same as a head hit? I would say, yeah, because I know the feeling of having a broken jaw, for example. I don't think he broke his jaw, but it ain't fun. And I think even lower contact in the head, obviously you can still get a concussion. It doesn't really matter as long as, you know. Um, but like I still think more of the consequence of the action rather than vulnerable position because, I, especially McKinnon, like you, I hate the keep your head up kid argument. But that was super dumb on him because no matter what, you knew someone was going to come after you there. Um, but that it is—it's still so. Just I don't know what's going on here. And again, the Ian Cole stuff. I, again, it's different rule books for every official. Right. I just all I want to know is what the hell the rules are because exactly I, I don't know what they are and I can't make a decision on whether it's a clean or dirty hit. In my opinion, I made it clear I'm not a fan of head hits, whether he's in yeah. a vulnerable position or not. Right. Like there's circumstances where it's pure accidental and I get it. You're not, I'm not, I don't expect them to suspend for that, but there's times where they're 
the player has enough time to change the course of his hit and he doesn't. And you should probably be suspended for that. But I don't mm-hmm. even know what the rules are for the NHL. So I can't really say if something's clean or dirty if I don't know the rules. Um, breaking news, by the way. Um, I, I feel like this is going to go a little further. But uh, both the claims by Mercedes have been dismissed by the FIA. Um, but I believe they can go higher than this, can't they? Um, like I don't know the exact motorsport court because – I, I, I don't so. think because isn't it a, isn't it kind of crappy that you're challenging the FIA's claim, uh, but the FIA are those who rule on it. You know um, what I mean. So I don't think yeah. this is done, but you, we'll see what happens because um, I'm not uh, entirely sure. There's I've seen mixed things. Because so. if there's a some sort of like uh, I don't know what you would call it, like a like a a, a motorsport court. I don't really think the FIA have a leg to stand on. We'll talk about this more on Wednesday. Um, but the Michael Massey broke the rules. Like he, Lewis, like again, we'll talk about it. Lewis should be champion right now. Like he should be. They really kind of messed him up there. But we'll we'll talk about that in a few days. Uh, anyway, uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we uh, wrap up? No. Okay, uh, Daniel. I'm good. I'm just. Still thinking about that Leafs thing where um, the ongoing saga of defensive pairing combinations. Yeah. What we're going to see the next game. 100%. All right, with that, I think one of the more frustrating podcasts that we've ever recorded for me is now over because Mm -hmm. so much was going wrong. I need to cut my hair. Okay. Thank you for listening and all that kind of stuff. Check out our social medias and all that. My YouTube channel, Alex's uh, blog, Daniel Stuff for CGRU. Uh, the show uh, checks out on TikTok, Twitter, all that type of stuff. Facebook, especially. Uh, voice at great platform as always. And um, we'll see you Wednesday. Or ho- hopefully justice is done for Lewis because I feel really bad. For our special that. episode. Anyway, um, I'm just realizing that for some reason I can't hear Daniel. I think my speakers are messed up, but that's going to end the episode.